0: story one chapter twelve of the dwarf's chamber and other stories by fergus hume this librivox recording is in the public domain story one chapter twelve consulting the wise woman baffled by the reticence of mistress sally and dismayed by the intelligence of her brother's death warwick returned to the manor in no pleasant frame of mind ballard so far as he knew was the only person who could enlighten him as to the birth of his father and now that his decease had put an end to obtaining information in that quarter warwick saw nothing for it but to take up a quiescent attitude yet the idea of remaining under a cloud all his life was so repellent to his active brain that he made a final effort to arrive at the truth with this idea he repaired to the dwarf's chamber the morning after his futile visit to the inn and endeavoured to ingratiate himself with madame tot in the hope that she would assist him to unravel the riddle of name and date therein according to his father was concealed the name of the family whence he sprang and warwick hoped that the dwarf's ingenuity might be exercised to some purpose she alone could aid him at this juncture rather to his surprise madame tot received him with cold dignity and declared plainly that he had neglected her of late her grand-niece celia was in the garden also for madame tot had left her room to sun herself as was her custom and to celia did the little lady address her observations though the gist of them was directed at warwick you see my love said the malicious little creature i am of no consequence now a certain person can dispense with the company of one who nursed him back to health and strength i assure you madame Tot, began warwick but could proceed no further for he was at once rebuked for his familiarity i am miss lelanro mr warwick i beg of you to recollect that on all occasions i am afraid you are out of favour said celia stifling a laugh what have you been doing to so offend my great-aunt mr warwick he has been doing nothing celia interposed madame Tote, standing on tiptoe to add to her dignity i say nothing about mr warwick or his behaviour oh dear no i speak of a certain person who knows i am devoted to music yet will not bring his violin when asked i have my violin with me now said warwick with a comically penitent expression of countenance if a certain person will play on that violin continued the dwarf still ignoring her guest i may be induced to overlook his rudeness otherwise she added with a frown i shall instruct my kinsfolk the people of peace to pinch him black and blue and run pins into the tender parts of his body cruel cruel aunt laughed celia when warwick ran off to get his violin so as to avert so terrible a doom why would you hurt the poor young man Mm, my dear it is necessary to teach him his place i am afraid your grandfather spoils him remember love he is one of the common people why aunt you said yourself he was a gentleman replied celia with a sudden blush of course my love his bearing is not plebeian still we know nothing of him or his he doesn't know himself sighed miss lelanro rather regretfully i wish he did evidently she had quite forgotten the late conversation with her grandfather or perhaps she wished to make amends for her late disdainful behaviour to speak the truth celia was beginning to find that thoughts of warwick were oftener in her mind than they had any right to be in vain she took herself to task for such folly and reminded herself of the difference between a young lady of rank and an unknown foundling love already firmly established in the citadel of her heart was not to be driven out by such feeble means and with secret dismay celia felt that in the end she would be forced to surrender to this rapidly increasing passion it was at present a struggle between love and pride in which the latter was now in the ascendant but celia with some qualms admitted to herself that possibly the final victory would rest with the former when warwick returned he found his charming mistress reclining on the grass before the summer-house therein sat madame Tot, like a little jade-god in her green dress looking stiff and rigid with bent brows and pursed-up lips not a glance did she vouchsafe to the offending warwick but at his approach she observed haughtily to celia that a certain person could play if he were so minded otherwise said she crossly a certain person had better take his departure i want no giants here no man mountains and silly monsters evidently the spirit of perversity was instigating madame tot to evil on this particular morning so warwick as the david to her Saul, endeavoured to charm it away with music leaning against the trunk of an elm for his weight would have crushed the fragile summer-house he drew the bow across the strings and improvised as his fancy directed celia under the shade of her parasol reclined on the grass looking with pensive face and white dress like a snowdrop amid the surrounding green she was an accomplished musician herself and had heard many famous violinists yet for delicacy of execution and power of the melodic faculty she was inclined to award the palm of preeminence to this unknown fiddler the inclination of her heart may have had something to do with this generous recognition of an unknown talent with his swarthy face and dark eyes warwick was singularly italian in appearance but celia likened him in her own mind to the second charles albeit his features were less harsh than those of the merry monarch but he had the stuart melancholy impressed on his face and the stuart grace inherent in his every action a singularly poetic figure he looked dreaming over his violin in the bright sunshine celia confessed to herself that he was the most charming young man she had yet seen and then frowned at so weak a confession even though it was but a mental one all she knew of the youth whose looks and deferential gallantry so strangely stirred her heart was that he had penetrated by accident into the seclusion of her dwarfish great-aunt's domain and that her grandfather fearful lest the secret might become common property had kept him under his eye by making him his secretary she was ignorant that warwick's father was a dwarf who had been on show in a booth and quite believed that he was the son of some gentleman and had run away from school or college in an excess of high spirits such a belief tended rather to elevate his character in her eyes for celia dearly loved a bold and independent spirit such as this secretary seemed to possess moreover he excelled all the well-born young gentlemen she had met in appearance in talent and in dignity no wonder then in taking so romantic and girlish a view of his personality she prepared a fertile ground for the upspringing of the flower of love and all this time the music rippled and ebbed in the still air with changeful melody and fitful brilliancy madame tot her displeasure somewhat abated now relaxed the rigidity of her features and with a tiny cheek on tiny hand sat looking at the sweeping bow celia her eyes on the daisied sward mused and dreamed herself into a dangerous frame of mind unexpectedly there broke forth from the violin a strain of such tenderness and pathetic grace that she involuntarily looked up to see what had inspired the musician it was herself for warwick's dark eyes filled with passion gazed on her fair face with a sudden flush she turned away her head and at the same moment fearful lest he should have betrayed his secret the musician laid down his instrument the situation would have been embarrassing to them both but that madame tote did away with the feeling by clapping her tiny hands she addressed warwick directly and no longer spoke of him as a certain person whereby he knew that the capricious fairy had taken him again into favour charming charming cried the little creature emerging from her summer-house like a green butterfly from its chrysalis you have certainly been trained in the court band of oberon some night when the moon is full we will go you and i to the fairy ring and there you must play for the skipping of the elves may i come too aunt asked celia Rousing herself from daydreams, I should dearly love to see the good neighbours. My dear, you are not of us, replied Madame Tot, gravely, and therefore you cannot see our solemnities. Not even if I plucked a Rowan twig like Sir James. Oh yes, but the elves might be vexed at your onlooking. Only those who have fairy blood in their veins can be present. I have reason to think that Mr Warwick is of our kin continued madame tot loftily his father was certainly a changeling like myself this chance shot was so near the mark in one sense that warwick uttered an ejaculation of surprise how do you know that madame tot oh i know many things said the dwarf wisely there are few matters i cannot solve if i put my mind to them i wish then that you would put your mind to this said warwick handing her the paper which contained the riddle if you could only solve this enigma i should learn my position in the world madame tot glanced at the paper with a look of preternatural wisdom then uttered a shrill scream expressive of astonishment sliding down on to the grass she devoured the paper with her eyes glancing sharply the while at warwick who took no care to conceal his astonishment at the effect thus produced celia also exhibited some natural curiosity what is the matter aunt said she leaning forward to get a glimpse of the paper can you guess the riddle i tell no secrets of fairyland retorted madame tot putting the paper into her pocket when the full moon is on the fairy ring i may reveal my knowledge then you know what the name and date mean exclaimed warwick a wild thought crossing his mind i have no idea replied the dwarf mysteriously but the riddle must be unravelled carefully leave it to me mr warwick i shall tell you all about yourself at the full moon not another word could they get out of her on the subject for with one of her whims she was determined to surround the matter with fairy influence warwick informed by price of her skill in deciphering cryptograms assumed that she found this special one sufficiently easy to solve at the first glance the information it conveyed seemed to astonish her considerably but what it was she refused to reveal until the moon was at its full vexed as he was at her whimsicality warwick was forced to let her take her own way as she alone could read the riddle Nevertheless, he could hardly contain his curiosity, and vainly remonstrated with Madame Tot on the irrational postponement of the explanation. "'I wish to know its meaning at once,' he said, rather angrily. "'You shall know it at the full moon,' retorted the dwarf. "'I am not going to break with the traditions of Fairyland to please a poor mortal like you, even though you have Fairy blood in your veins.' has he indeed aunt asked celia humouring her quaint relative with an indulgent smile hm, said the little creature mysteriously i know what i know my love we will talk of other things if you please when does the winyard ogre arrive next week aunt answered cecilia by no means delighted at the turn thus given to the conversation i hope you will be pleased to see him indeed no Celia a horrid bold swearing creature who laughs at my delicate figure to think that he should inherit the lelanro estates sighed madame tot with an angry rap of her cane oh if only my poor fairy nephew had lived you mean my father suggested celia holding out her hand for warwick's assistance to enable her to rise no i did not my child he was a mortal like yourself not a changeling like me and my fairy nephew ah that changeling returned to fairyland in a few years added madame tot sadly and left me to drag on a weary existence here summoned on particular business by oberon no doubt warwick's heart beat violently as she made this speech and the vague fancy which had been in his brain of late now began to assume a definite shape emotion prevented his immediate speech and he was glad when celia asked the question he wished to have put himself i thought my father was an only child aunt madame tot looked at celia with her sharp little eyes and shook her head to intimate that she would say nothing more celia pressed the question whereupon she became querulous i am tired i am tired carry me into my house she said crossly and this celia was obliged to do taking the little creature in her arms she walked up the garden with a kind nod to warwick he leaned against the tree-trunk almost overwhelmed by the flood of light which had broken on the darkness of his understanding a fairy nephew he muttered picking up his violin without doubt celia's father had a brother and that brother was a dwarf a dwarf he repeated after a pause ah now i feel that i am on firm ground i will see what dr price can tell me on the subject though not in the way he expected the young man had learned from the dwarf news of vital importance to his future End of chapter twelve